Welcome to another episode of the Jackson Film Club. Uh, my name is Michael Lamb. I'm Sam Grave. And today we're going to be talking about The Green Knight. Yes, we are. So The Green Knight is, uh, is so far my favorite 2021 release. And what I would like to do uh, today is, is read an excerpt from an essay that I wrote and published online on Medium. Uh, and I'm, I've asked Sam to, to help me out with, uh, with a portion of that. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about the five chivalric virtues and how those themes play out in the movie and what we think about those. Right. Before we get into that, should we um, kind of just introduce what the Green Knight is about for anybody who might not know. Yeah, Sam, that's a really great idea. So awesome. in your own words, tell me what happens in The Green Knight. So um, it's funny. One of the things that I think inspired this particular podcast episode was I brought up to you that I was having to go over this and do assignments on this for a class. And you were like, oh, awesome. And the assignment was that I had to read the actual poem that it was based on, which is Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, um, kind of an Arthurian tale um, about Sir Gawain, who is King Arthur's nephew. Um, but I did not read it. And so, um, does your teacher know that? I, I hope my professor is not listening <laughs> to this. Um, but I did do the assignments, but I did not necessarily read it all the way through. That's okay. Um, I did that a lot in college. Yeah. But Michael and I actually did the first time we ever met was watching the green Knight. Uh, we had a mutual friend who we went and saw the green Knight with, and that's how we met. And here we are a few months later and we have a podcast. So, Yeah, I actually remember um, that day. It's on Letterboxd. Yeah. So we got a little little history with the Green Knight. Um, but the Green Knight is, again, kind of an Arthurian tale. Basically, the Green Knight is a creature. I'm describing the movie, not the original text. Um, the Green Knight is a sort of being, beast, creature, human, person thing that arrives on uh, the Christmas Day celebration um, at in King Arthur's Hall and challenges either King Arthur or one of his many knights to a Christmas game, which is that somebody will offer him a blow, a physical blow, and that blow will then be returned exactly one year hence. Um, and because... Sir Gawain, who is, again, King Arthur's nephew, um, would love to join uh, his his uncle's circle and be a noble knight. He hops over the table and is like, yeah, I'll do it. And he chops off the Green Knight's head. And the Green Knight picks up his head and rides off. And then about a year passes and Gawain is like, oh, well, I guess I should go fulfill my oath. And he goes on a journey to find the Green Knight and maybe have the blow returned to him. Yeah, so it's an interesting story because the guy sets out on a journey and I, like, you, there's no way that I, I can understand like taking this journey without also rationalizing the fact like at the end of this, I'm going to die. Yeah, because it's I a, chopped off his head. I yeah, could have just, I could have cut his elbow, but... I was feeling like a noble knight, so I chopped his head off. Yeah, old, old Gawain. Yeah, and he does encounter various people and tests. I guess you would call them tests throughout the journey. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, 
we're, we're going to circle back around that, to that, uh, I believe, when we talk about the five chivalric virtues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, I'm going to get us started. So this is, uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from an essay that I originally published on Medium called Vice and Virtue in the Green Knight. All right, so let me get, get us started here. David Lowry approaches filmmaking as poetry and not prose. His films emphasize highly stylized visual language and emotional provocation over other things general audiences prioritize like action or romance. These things are present in his films when the story calls for it and they are put into their time. In The Green Knight, Lowry demonstrates his mastery of time with intention and adept pacing to create a meditative fantasy epic with every frame a beautiful living portrait. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Lowry was offered the rare gift of more time when the original release date for The Green Knight in July 2020 was delayed a full year by A24. In that year, the director re-edited the film after realizing some of the project's themes were less emphasized than he intended. The personal nature of the writer-director inserting his own thoughts and questions about mortality stand out through the rich paradox of loss as both a tragic and profound experience. Sam will now read a selection uh, from David Lowry's interview with IndieWire. Yeah, so this is what David Lowry had to say. Loss is a beautiful thing. It's a terrible thing and a sad thing, but it's a necessary thing. One day we will one day we will lose all that we hold dear. In my attempt to make peace with that, I've tried to approach the idea of loss, the idea of death, the idea that all we know will one day come to an end with a sense of peace and appreciation. I try to find meaning in that loss. I want to gain something from that. Death is on my mind a lot these days. I really try to embrace the goodness of death. I wanted the end of this film to be a happy ending. Maybe Sir Gawain gets his head cut off two seconds after the film cuts to black, or maybe he lives a long life and dies of old age as King Arthur did. But regardless, he will come to an end. He will die one day. What's important is that he's arrived at this place where he can face the inevitability with goodness in his heart. That is how I tried to approach the world. As someone who hated poetry in high school and has come to respect it as a medium, I see what David Lowry is doing with his writing and direction. He is clearly inspired by the source material and sets out here to make something unique to himself. His work is terse, and sometimes the dialogue is obfuscated in the Middle English dialect, which is yet another element less patient audiences may find alienating. So most people will label this as art house, and that is probably true. Whatever moniker is applied will never compare to the experience of Sir Gawain's journey as it is displayed on the silver screen. If I could share my personal feelings uh, about this film with David Lowry, what I would say is, thank you for sticking with this project and seeing it through to the end. I absolutely loved it. And that concludes the excerpt from the essay, Vice and Virtue in the Green Knight. You can find that on Medium at themichaellam.medium.com. Um, so now we'll move on to the, the next section of the podcast, which is a more freeform discussion between Sam and myself. Cool. Uh, Sam, I know that, that you particularly enjoy viewing the film, uh, 
It's like, well, we should hang on before. I don't know what you're about to say, but we should say this is going to contain spoilers for the movie. If you haven't seen it yet, or if you don't care, that should be said. It's a good call out. Yeah. I had that thought midway through your quotes and then I started <laughs> talking. So I forgot yeah. about it. Also, um, we never mentioned, but David Lowry is the director of the film. Uh, Sam, I know that, that the end of this movie, you choose to view it as a happy ending. You choose to view, view it hope, hopefully. Yes. Which is that the movie ends and then Dev Patel's Gawain goes back home and like has chosen to live a better life than the vision that he has for the last, that takes up the last like 20 minutes of the runtime. Yeah, or something like that. With that particular perspective in mind, uh, I, I'm curious how you see these five chivalric virtues. So I'm going to list them out here for everybody. Um, and then we can just go from there. So the first virtue is piety. And if you're not familiar with that word, are you Are you familiar with that word? Um, I may or may not have just Googled it. Oh, what's the definition? Um, of course, I've now exited off of... Uh, here it is. The quality of being religious or reverent. Um, okay. A belief or point of view that is accepted with unthinking conventional reverence. Yeah, so piety and then generosity, uh, courtesy, chastity, and friendship. Uh, uh, you, I think you briefly mentioned that there were there were tests. Uh, yeah, that, go, that Gawain faces. Yeah, so, uh, do you want to get us started? Do you want to pick one of these uh, that we can talk about? Yeah, I think um, piety is the one that I found most consistent throughout, and kind of is the driving force for Gawain. Um, it's kind of the whole um, launching point for him. Uh, I think it's starting from him jumping over the table and chopping off the green knight's head. He's doing it for, he kind of has this longing to be this noble, nobleman and to, uh, it's kind of, I guess, cultural. I don't know much about, again, I should have read the original text, but, um, it seems that that's a very respectable position to be a knight and like, knights are known for being good people. And so I think there's just such a strong desire for that, that it, it's his whole journey. Um, and that's why I choose to view the ending as positive to where the green knight does not chop his head off as soon as the credits roll. Because I think that going from the green knights dialogue in that last moment, um, I just don't see how, that lines up if he just chops his head off at the end. I think it kind of undermines the rest of the story for me. Um, Wait, so you know how it ends, though, in the in the source material. He does. No, I don't. Then I don't know. Oh well. So in the source material, um, I, I didn't really want this episode to be a comparison between the movie and the yeah. the poem. Uh, but the source material there there are a number of departures and. The way that the the poem ends is that uh, Gawain finally gets to the Green Knight, and the same thing happens where um, there's like a reckoning between himself and the sash. He recognizes the sash as this crutch, this thing that he is reliant on mm -hmm. to get to cheat, to yeah. get out of the rules, uh, to get to not have to face the consequences. So he takes the sash off, and then the Green Knight. Uh, just gives him a nick on the neck. Uh, and so it's just like a paper cut. 
And because uh, I, I remember in, in our number of conversations, you, you've talked about like, well, it says in the text of the challenge, like in friendship, uh, right. like that's, we're, we're going to part. Yeah. And so you can't that, part ways in friendship if, if you're the other dead. person's dead. Yeah. So um, that, I, that's I will how it say ends. that um, even though The Green Knight is not my favorite movie of the year, um, I, it's my favorite ending in a long time. The last 10 or 15 minutes is my favorite ending in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, just from the second the vision started, I was like, okay, this is a very A24 kind of uh, depressing ending where we kind of just montage through the rest of this guy's life. And he's cho- he chose the wrong path and he's going to die. Uh, like an, I don't know, a uh, immoral death, I guess. And then, as soon as it cuts to him still kneeling in the green chapel, and then he takes the sash off, and I was like, "Okay, I'm ready now." I loved it. As soon as it cut back to his face, I knew exactly what they were going for. And I just turned to the person next to me. And I was like, "Okay, I love it. I love it." Yeah. Um, when it comes to storytelling. The, my favorite part of a story is always the end. Mm-hmm. That that's going to be the the thing that I primarily judge a story by is is how it ends. And I I, I loved the way that that Lowry chose to end the Green Knight. So and I say chose to end because I I was a little more familiar with the source material than you were. Yeah, and I do wish that uh, that. You, you had. I mean, you should go back and read it. I, yeah, I, I, I did. Recommend between that. two of my. I watched it three times. Um, between two of my viewings, I planned to read it, and I got like 20 pages in, and then I stopped. <laughs> I got 20 pages in, and it was still in the court scene at the beginning or yeah. the, during the challenge, and I just got lost in the text. Well, when it comes to, to piety, what I find interesting in, in Lowry's interpretation of the story is the way that he juxtaposes... Uh, pagan symbolism with Christian symbolism. Because mm-hmm. King Arthur is very much this in-between sort of character. So he is, you know, given his right to rule through pagan symbolism. There's a woman in, in a lake who gives him a sword, and that's how power is distributed in England, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he starts conquering lands and, you know, taking over other fiefdoms and kingdoms and bringing them under his fold. And he ends up using Christianity as a way to, to bond all of these people together. And so with Lowry's vision uh, for the green Knight, I felt like it was very balanced. There is a mixture of, you know, the magic of Merlin and the weird paganness of Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. Uh, and, but there is still very much the respect for tradition. Uh, and, I mean, they and, go to mass. In the beginning yeah. They, of the movie. They, they go to mass. They're celebrating Christmas. Uh, like Gawain only imagines himself like having one queen and one wife. Uh, so, you know, he's not out there trying to, to get hundreds of concubines and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, Piety for me was, um, yeah, I, I, I think that when it comes to all of these chivalric virtues, Dev Patel's Gawain does not 
meet any of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it is evident that he's not pious just from the fact that he wakes up on Christmas day in a whorehouse. Yeah. Um, Any other thoughts on piety there? Not really. That's my, you're going to have a lot more to say in this conversation than I am. Um, just because you wrote an essay on it and it's your favorite movie of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I see that as the driving force where he's just has this desire to be desire for greatness. And I do think that it's important to, I think one of the main points of the movie is that these characteristics are what make a knight. It's not the fact that you're a knight and like you've conquered and things like that. Like these are the things that make a knight. And I think maybe that's kind of what he misses. He's missing for a while. Um, he, at one point he journeys out and, um, it's during the, um, a kindness chapter where he's riding on his horse and they're like, are you a knight? And he's like, no, and they're like, well, you look like a knight. It's like he has all the trappings of a knight, but like he's not. And, um, but he really wants to be, but he doesn't have these characteristics. Yeah, no, that's a perfect segue because that, that, that chapter that you're talking about is, is the test of generosity. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite moments just because it's got Barry Keegan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Barry Keegan a lot. Um, as an actor, and he plays interesting roles. Um, he just ended up being in Dune Part Two, by the way. He, so uh, I'm really hoping for some Fade Ratha. Um, I don't know what that means, but that's what I'm hearing. That's the rumor on the internet. But he was also in Eternals and had a big role in that, and yeah. I was happy for for him. But here in the Green Knight, so he plays uh, the Scavenger. I think is is. Uh, there's only a couple named characters at all in, yeah. in this movie. There's Gawain, and then there's Essel, which is the girl that he shows up in the whorehouse with. Yeah. She's, she's named, and then there's St. Winifred. Those are the only three characters who have actual names beyond, you know... King Arthur. King, and, queen, whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, King oh, Arthur isn't even actually yeah, that's billed right. as King Arthur. Yeah. It's just king and queen. Uh, the Green Knight is obviously... The titular Green Knight, mm-hmm. but with the Scavenger, the Scavenger shows up and ends up just kind of talking about the, like they're having this conversation about a battlefield. There's a whole war that's just happened, and Gawain is, is my brothers are supposed to be out here yeah, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, and then he makes a uh, like a joke about being able to to last longer than them. It's like, yeah. come on, dude, <laughs> your brothers are dead. <laughs> Uh, is this a war joke or is this a Viagra commercial? Come on. Um, but he ends up helping Gawain out or, you know, he is trying to help Gawain out and, and it turns out that he's also tricking him. And he makes it very, he helps make it very clear that Gawain's character is not to be someone, is, is not to be someone who's very generous. He's not like looking for opportunities to be kind to someone. Yeah. And because he, Gawain is just very quiet. He's, you know, giving like two or three word answers to every question. It's like, I'm not interested in talking to you, dude. I'm not, I don't even really want to give you the time of day, but you're here and you're talking to me. So what else can I do? So as a, as a generous person, no, I would not describe Gawain as a generous person. 
Yeah. Um, how about a courteous person? What's the difference between generosity and courtesy? Mm, I don't know. What is the difference? Well, so we can talk about the difference and how they're displayed in this story. Because generosity, I think, directly relates to the scavenger here. And I guess, yeah. Courtesy is going to come up more with uh, the test that comes from St. Winifred. Mm-hmm. Which so, is probably maybe my favorite part of the movie. Why is that your favorite part? Oh, well, it's maybe it's not my favorite part. I'd say the Green Chapel at the end, the last 15 minutes is my favorite. But I just really like, I don't know, there's something about the atmosphere of it and just and the dialogue that I really love. Um, I guess I would say the difference between generosity and courtesy is that courtesy should just kind of be expected. Uh, at least that's the way it's it's kind of laid out when she's like, why would you ask me that? Why would you ever ask me that? Yeah, like, you ever ask me it's that? just, it's kind of, this is how you should act as a human. And then generosity is more of a choice, I guess. Yeah. So I guess to kind of set the scene for people who may not exactly remember, uh, I, I hope that you've seen the movie by this point. Um, it's a, uh, Aaron Kellyman is the actress. She plays St. Winifred and Gawain comes up on the house and finds an empty bed and then decides to to rest there for the night. And he's woken up um, by St. Winifred saying, what are you doing in my bed? And she has to ask it twice because uh, he's waking up in the middle of sleep. And she ends up telling him like, well, I'm actually dead. Uh, I don't think she says it in quite as many words, but she says, I've lost my head. Uh, a, a man came and tried to come into my house and he tried to tried to take me and he ended up cutting my head off and throwing it in the river. And now I can't do anything because my head's in the river. Yeah. Can you help me out? Coin <laughs> is like, what will you give me in return? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, what? what do you mean? Just give me my head. Why would you ever <laughs> ask me that? <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I think it, it's absolutely discourteous to, <laughs> to, to find someone who is in such like dire need. Cause even though she's still being, you know, as an actress, like the, she's just acting out lines, but even as a spirit, she's still very, very much just rational. She's like, these are the things that have happened to me. Like, can you help me? Um, surely that's all you need to know before I can compel you to help yeah. me. And he still insists. It's like, I should be getting something, right? Like, that's a question in his mind. Um, I, I wonder what what exactly is the character flaw that leads Gawain to... Maybe it's just growing up sort of royalty-ish. You may, maybe he was spoiled. Yeah, just like you expect that you're going to get something regardless of whether you're helping someone or not. You're just always going to every situation, either looking at how you can gain or just expecting people to give something to you because of who you are. And then he shows up there and it's like, oh, maybe I should just be a good person. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, that, that that's definitely where he, he ends up at the by the end of the movie, but it takes him a while to get there. Yeah. So that's kind of all the thoughts I had for courtesy. Let's uh, move on to chastity. This is honestly probably one of my least favorite parts of the movie just because of how confusing it is. I saw it three times and I was still just not like the, I, I get like what the point of it was, but like just some of the 
the imagery and the fact that, um, uh, what is her name? Uh, she was You're talking about Alicia Vikander, Alicia Vikander. Thank you. Um, the fact that she was also playing the role of Essel and now she's playing the role of the lady. Um, I'm hoping you'll fill me in on some of this. Can you, uh, can you set the scene for us a little bit? Yeah. So he is, he's basically been wandering through the wilderness for a while. Um, the Fox has joined him at this point, right? So, uh, then he stumbles upon a castle in the night, opens the doors, stumbles in, looks up at the staircase and there's like a bear or a man in a bear costume. And then he passes out, wakes up in bed and Joel Edgerton is there. The Lord is how, is that how he's credited? The Lord? Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. The Lord and the lady are the two characters here. Yeah. And so then he goes and has breakfast with the Lord and the lady. And I still, all three times I watched it, I couldn't figure out why Gawain was, um, just like so did did the lord say something to him he said something like we're friends right like why why is gawain not he just acts like they've known each other the whole time this could just be me being stupid but i i don't know that um that you need to to look down on yourself like that can you please be kind okay. to my friend sam grave thanks um the it is interesting from a storytelling standpoint, like Gawain just shows up and, and doesn't really question. That this girl looks exactly like his girlfriend from back home. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't know if he's just not even thinking about it. If he's just, because he's obviously like not super focused on his quest. All he's, he continues to say is to people is like, I just know I need to go to the Green Chapel. I'm headed north. And that's that's it. He's not like super passionate about getting there. He's not um cuz even even in his conversation with the lord uh, like they're they're sitting down down talking about um his quest in front of the fireplace and the lord asks Gawain like why are you doing all this? And Gawain says <clears throat> honor with a question mark at the end and yeah. and then the lord's like what does that are, mean? Are you asking me or yeah. are you telling me? <laughs> um, I did like that conversation, yeah. The So uh, then, so continuing on what happens, so then the lady makes a portrait of him. He's kind of getting a little flirty with him. She comes on to him and he doesn't completely resist. And so then whenever, uh, after this has happened, she's like, okay, so like some night you are, you couldn't even resist the temptation of being with me, and then oh, I think you, you might might have skipped a little bit there. So she he sits for the portrait, and then she gives him a book, and then she comes back the next morning. She comes to his room the next morning. The Lord ha, has set up this kind of gamble the 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 day prior, where he says, "Whatever I go out and get on my hunt, I'll bring back, and that's going to be a prize for you." And then he says, in exchange, whatever you oh, might get right. here at the house, uh, then you have to give that to me. And Godwin's a little confused. He's like, what can I give you from that's your house not that's not already yours? But apparently what he was talking about was was a hand job. So yeah. uh, what, what happens is that the next morning, the lady shows up in his room and she's like, don't you want me? 
um, like it's okay. And, and then I, I, I still am not exactly sure on the logistics of it, but there's some sort of masturbation happening there, either mutual or self. Uh, and then you've got Gawain who shows up, uh, or there's a, a nice big shot of Dev Patel's hands with, with some cum on it, which is really a fun thing to watch uh, when you're sitting I, I right next to, so. to, to some of your, your best friends. Um, so obviously there, there's some level of chastity that, that Gawain will never attain because uh, he just can't keep it in his pants. That's true. Now we can move on to friendship. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, so is friendship about the Green Knight? So that I mean that's a that's a kind of a textbook question. Uh, some people have said that the as far as the movie goes, friendship the test of friendship would be more applicable to the Lord. But when it when you're talking about the the context of the the, the source material and all of that, then there's a lot more wiggle room you can make an argument that the test of friendship is the green knight or it could be the fox it could be a number of things um but i think in lowry's green knight it's very mm, i don't know i don't want to say that it's very clear but i think that it's the lord and the the question of the friendship there i have not thought about the green knight in months but just because it's the last time I saw it, and then I kind of moved on. Um, I feel like you've probably lingered on it more than I have. So fill me in on your thoughts. I, that's not to say that I've thought about it like so much more than you. I've, I've seen it five times this year, and I, I think you've seen it three times. Is mm -hmm. that right? So it's not a, a, a huge difference I guess. there between us. But you did write an essay on it. I did write an essay on it because I love the movie. I love the visuals. I love the music. I love the story. And I love how David Lowry put it all together. Have I told you that I have an issue with the visuals? Just kind of on a side note. You have an issue with the visuals? Yeah, it took me a while to figure out why. Because the cinematography is really pretty. and Everyone was raving about it. I, I think that especially holds true for the Green Chapel at the end. But there was something about it. I couldn't put my finger on why I wasn't... I didn't love it. And this, I mean, this is only going to be f because I'm a film student and a wannabe filmmaker, but um, it just looks very digital to me. I think it could have done with some some grain added in, especially um, just because it, of the time it takes place in and it looks pristine. Uh, so that's more, I mean, that's a completely subjective thing, but it did take me out of it because there were a few times where I was like, okay, I can tell like this looks like it was shot in 2020 or 2019 um, just because of how clean everything is. Hmm. I think that even aids in tying production design together when you have, when you look at Lord of the Rings and the interiors of castles and things like that, mm -hmm. just having that little bit of grain and grit to it kind of adds to the whole atmosphere and the texture of the world. Hmm. And so having the Green Knight, everything just be crystal clear and pristine, I could have used with, even I would have loved if it was shot on film, but... I think that I kind of appreciate how perfect everything is because there's one point. It is a fairy uh, tale. So in before the challenge is read, uh, and, and Sean Harris as King Arthur is, is get, delivering this like epic monologue. Bring young Garwin near. Uh, well, he's like circling around the, yeah. the table, and 
Um, there's like a, a couple wide shots there where they actually went in and, and there there's like, um, painted people. So yeah, to the, extend it out. Yeah. Cause the, the shot that, uh, Lowry wanted it to be wider, but, um, they had just had to, to kind of extend it just by painting people in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I kind of view the whole film the same way. It's like, everything is just kind of all painted in here together. And so I'm not really looking for, for it to feel super clean or super authentic mm-hmm. in that way. It's like, I, I'm happy with it being something that I, I could see straight out of a textbook. Yeah. That, and that, again, that's probably more something just for me because I pay attention to technical stuff and, um, what are you kidding? You can't have different opinions than me, Sam. I know. You're I'm sorry, I shouldn't have spoken up. That's my bad. Um Friendship. <laughs> friendship. <laughs> uh well I think that, that I kinda yeah, that, that that's that's the one I have the weakest uh, My biggest I guess friendship for me then with the movie would be um with the Green Knight, just because it's like we will part as friends. And there's such a, especially in that last scene, there's such a like jovial way that the Green Knight is talking to him. It's like Santa Claus. Yeah. And at one point, doesn't he say, um, he's like, oh, is good, sir. You flinched. He's like, dude, what's what's going on, man? Like, why are you flinching? You flinched. Yeah. It's just like, clearly he's not going to chop his head off in three seconds like i don't know i i don't know what a friendship with the green knight looks like but i've that's what i took from it Hmm. and then i'm getting i mean he'll probably have better friendships as his life goes on now that he's learned these lessons yeah so it's not necessarily a chivalric virtue uh or at least a relationship directly tied to that but i found uh, Sean Harris's King Arthur to be very friendly mm-hmm. in this film. He was super warm. It was like, um, I mean, Sean Harris is not like a super old actor, but I think that that he was able to to bring this old soul, old kind of age to it, where it's like this is a person who's who's seen some shit and yeah. like he's just trying to be kind uh, to this kid that he is the closest thing that he has to his son. And I do. Yeah. I do like at one point he's like, I'm sorry. Like I haven't taken the time to like be a good uncle to you. Yeah. So now he's like, come sit with me. That was really nice. I wasn't, the whole movie had more like heart to it than I expected. Yeah. Just from it being an A24 movie from the trailers. It was a very A24 trailer with like a rhythmic, kind of like either ticking or beat or sound or something there's usually some kind of like consistent rhythm that'll go through one of their trailers it's usually very cold and or disturbing so i really wasn't expecting any of that so in the opening scene when gawain actually had a personality and then uh king arthur was like apologizing for not being a good uncle i was like oh wow this is much more uh, has much more humanity than I thought it would. So I definitely appreciated that. 
Well, at the end of the day, uh, I think that, that all film is really trying to accomplish is to tell human stories. And I think that that's what David Lowry accomplished here in his retelling of The Green Knight. So I've got no more thoughts here. Uh, and so if you want to, to take us out. Uh, I think this has been a good discussion. I enjoyed hearing your thoughts. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Jackson Film Club, the podcast. Now off with your head.